your news, your entertainment, your business. We're on a mission from God. This is the Rich Rothman Show. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Rich Rothman Show. Good to have you here today. It's 5 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. A bit of a rain uh, spout out there for a while. But I don't mind it. Makes no. it a little cooler outside. Yeah, well, we need it. You know, we need that rain. You know, we actually had a pretty... We started the summer with a lot of rain. You know, we had tremendous amounts of rain. It filled up Lake Okeechobee, so everybody was happy that the Biscayne Aquifer was being charged correctly. And then all of a sudden, the rain stopped for a while this summer. It got real dry. Uh, so the fact we're getting some rain, and we had some really good downpours over the weekend uh, where I live, which is up in Fort Lauderdale, East Fort Lauderdale. Um, so good to have it. If you're driving home right now, it's 5 o'clock. It's right at the rush hour time. Welcome to the show, Rich Rothman on 880 The Biz. So along that means with you're Alex. probably not driving very quickly right now. Uh, no, they're probably not. I, I would imagine. For all, they are if they're in the express lane. Yeah. You know, if they're in that regular lane, I don't No, 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 no. They're going to take their time. But if you are, you know, and you ha- have us on right now, welcome to the show. Good to have you here. The number is 866-954-4276. 866-954-4276. If you've got something on your mind that you'd like to talk about and give people a chance to call in and talk about as well, uh, give us a call at 866-954-4276. A lot of things happening, and uh, as it relates to the show, let me just explain who's on the show, and we'll get into a point. Uh, Peter Cohan, our good buddy, is going to be here from Massachusetts, and he's going to be talking about the next wave of economic downturn that's going to be occurring, and I'll leave that to your imagination. And, of course, uh, then following that, we have a, a really nice, interesting person on the show, George Pippis who is the um, Ford sales analyst from Ford Motor Company, obviously. And we're going to be talking about why the sales at Ford are up dramatically and why the sales at GM were down dramatically for the same time period, which actually carried it right through the Cash for Clunkers program. Now, what would you say is Ford's best-selling car right now? I would have to say probably the Ford Focus. Yeah, you know we're going to find out because uh, George is going to tell us. Yeah, that's comparable to the on. comparable to the Honda Civic and the Toyota Corolla. So I'd say probably so. Well, you know the, the public's got to be saying something uh, when the, the deals are fairly similar between uh, you know Ford and GM. I mean the the Clunker program was for everybody. Chrysler didn't do that well either, you know, with the cash for Clunkers program, uh, but Ford had a huge share. Of course, you know, the Japanese beat us out on everything. And that's, uh, you know, Toyota, Hyundai, and Honda did really, really well uh, with the sales. But Ford did extremely well. And we've had Ford people on the show throughout the year. You know, we've had the head of the, uh, the director of product development for the SMP- SMTs and hybrid vehicles. We also had uh, somebody in charge of their uh, uh, Marokbi is the guy's name, Marokbi, Dr. Marokbi who um, uh, was in charge and is in charge of the electrical battery program at Ford. So uh, lots of stuff to talk about there. A lot happening out there right now. You know, i got to tell you, no matter who you talk to right now, people are not sitting back without having an opinion, Alex. Everyone's got an opinion. People are worried about, you know what really set people off? The health thing. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there that went through all these czars. We have more czars than the czar had. I mean, we have more socialist czars than more the czar More czars had. than uh, Russia. Yeah, more czars than Russia. Obama's got them all. And, and, of course, the sad part is that they're not approved by Congress. 
and they only report to the president. So there's no congressional oversight, which is kind of scary if you think about that. But people put that aside. They're not even, you know, they don't care that Steve Ratner had nothing to do with auto manufacturing and he was the car czar. The first one, of course, he quit when something really bad was going to happen. He's going to be investigated. So he left. They're bringing this other guy who is the, uh, the, an attorney from the um, United Steelworkers. Uh, he can't, People handle that. They don't care. Cap and trade, we're going to talk about when the break comes back. They didn't even flip out over cap and trade yet. They will when they start understanding, well, maybe that's why it's not called cap and trade now. It's called the climate change bill. That's a nice, nice sound, isn't it? Wow, everyone wants the climate to be good. Everybody wants it. Don't you want the climate to be good out there? Sure you do. Yeah. You know, cap and trade. But people aren't getting nuts over that. What they are getting nuts on, and I'm sure people listening in their cars right now, it's health insurance. People don't like people messing with their health. They don't dig on that at all. They don't like it. They don't want it. And the numbers right now, the numbers are the lowest that they've been uh, since they started out, according to Rasmussen. It was down to about 42% of Americans. Uh, favored the uh, the plan, 42% out of 100% uh, favored it. Because people are starting to understand that there are things in here uh, that they really, uh, you know, don't like. You know, 44% of voters strongly, strongly, not just are against it, but 44% of voters strongly oppose the health care reform effort versus 26% who strongly favor it. And uh, intensity has been, according to Scott Rasmussen, stronger among opponents of the plan since the debate began. And this is the most amazing form of Americana that I've, I've seen in a long, long time. This reminds me of things that were happening back in the 60s and 70s when we took to the streets and started complaining about the Vietnam War. That got real personal with me. I know that. But it's getting very personal with people out there who are, well, let's say they're baby boomers. And those folks better have a living will because that's that's what the health plan wants. Or the fact that if you don't have health care, the government will make you have health care. If you don't have health care for your company, the government will make you have health care for your company. And when you add all that up, it starts sounding like big debt, big scare, big we don't want it. Yeah. And that's what's happening out there right now. Certainly don't want debt, I'll tell you that much. Well, we don't want debt no. because we already know we have $9 trillion coming down the pike of debt over the next 10 years. And that's scaring everybody. So everyone's got an opinion right now. You know what? This could be the, the worst of times. and I mean, a Dick Dickinesque moment. The, the best of times and the worst of times. Well, this may be the worst of times in terms of where government's taking us. You know, by the way, 57% of Americans polled said throw the whole lot out. Startle yeah. over in Congress, 57%, according to Scott Rasmussen. Wouldn't that said be that. something? That is an amazing stat. But this also may be the best of times because we're finding out what it's really like to be an American and to challenge and use democracy. We're going to be right back on The Rich Rothman Show on 880 The Biz. I want you to stay right there because I need you. Every year, the ITC leads two business development missions to countries that have the potential to increase trade with our community through Miami International Airport or the Port of Miami. The ITC is the official county agency charged with the development of this trade and functions as an umbrella organization or clearinghouse for other trade development efforts within the county. 
Our vision is to promote and strengthen Miami-Dade County's excellent business climate, strong international financial services, and rich cultural diversity, making it the logical platform for trade with Latin America and the Caribbean. For more information about the J. Molina International Trade Consortium, go to miamidade.gov slash ITC or call us at 305-375-5808. Seaboard Marine is an ocean transportation company that provides direct regular service between the United States and the Caribbean Basin, Central and South America. Seaboard Marine's success in the region for nearly 25 years has enabled it to expand into new markets now serving nearly 40 ports in over 20 countries. Seaboard Marine's facilities include a private terminal of nearly 70 acres at the Port of Miami. Seaboard Marine carries more cargo to and from the Port of Miami than any other carrier. Although this facility complies with and exceeds all governmental security mandates, it operates seven days a week, 365 days a year, a unique convenience for its customers. Seaboard Marine serves these routes from Miami. Bahamas, Grand Cayman, Colombia, Dominican Republic, Eastern Caribbean, Haiti, Jamaica, North Central America, South Central America, Venezuela, and the West Coast of South America, including Peru, Chile, Bolivia. Seaboard Marine, a trade leader in the Western Hemisphere. Should commodities be part of your investment portfolio in 2009? What might be the performance for commodities in 2009? Where are the energy prices going? Is the bearish trend coming to an end in the U.S. dollar? Should I own gold or silver? Will the cost of food go up or down? If these questions are important to your investment strategy, then you should be talking to MB Wealth, a full-service commodity brokerage, to find out how MB Wealth is positioning its clients to take advantage of commodities over the next few months and quarters. Let MB Wealth help you at the retail level or advise you on a partial asset allocation with a commodity trading advisor with an established track record. In this volatile economy, it is more important than ever to have a diversified portfolio. Find out more on commodity investment specifics by calling MB Wealth at 954-929-9997 or log on to our website hey, at www.mbwealth.com. While you're there, yeah. check out MB Wealth's weekly commodity commentary plus monthly yeah, Peter's ready. articles. Okay, your mic was on. I just wanted you to be reminded of Oh, yeah, I know, but we're on break anyway. Okay. Good. I forgot we have Peter, then we have Ford, and then we're going to do Harry. Yeah. We're going to do the Harry story, and then yeah. we'll get Lasky on. Oh, here's Lasky's number. Write it down. Oh, yeah. 747-3-749-5265. 5265. Got it? Cool. 749-5265, right? In area code 773-3. It's South Florida's newest and freshest talk show. And now for something completely different. TheRichRothmanShow.com This is The Rich Rothman Show. Welcome back to the show. It's uh, 11 minutes after the hour. It's Rich Rothman. And on the phone with us right now is Peter Cohen. How you doing, Peter? Do I hear him clearly? I hear you. Too. Ah, there we are. All right, now we got it. I'm sorry about that. No problem. Good to have you here. I hope you had a good vacation. Uh, I had a 
wonderful time in California. It's a beautiful place. It's a great place to visit. Yes. <laughs> That's uh, about how I feel about it. Well, I guess you, you wouldn't want to live there, is what you're suggesting. No, I, actually, I would love to live in California if it can get itself organized and, and actually have a, an economy that works. It'd be terrific. It's most, one of the most beautiful states in the United States. Yeah, really in, at least in the lower 48, let's put it that way. Peter, I got a question for you. You know, people are running around. Uh, it's almost like chicken, the, chicken little in the sense that they're not aware of what's out there. You know, we're, we're hearing these great reports such as, you know, housing was better. They, they think that things are bottoming out. The stock market, you know, rebounded 3.5% in August alone, although it did get a little soft towards the end of the month. You know, and, yeah, it was and, down about 180 points today. It had a really bad day. Yeah, 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 I know. It was down uh, 185.68 on the Dow, 40.17 on the NASDAQ, and 22.58 on the S&P. Exactly. Make me sad. I was just starting to feel good. But you know what? I am afraid to feel good because I think we're not done yet. I, I just, you know, anybody who's really into this stuff and is reading the stats feels there's another wave coming. And your article today really addressed what I, what I feel, since real estate is so important in South Florida. Two things make South Florida work, really. Real estate and finance. Real estate and finance, because they're intertwined. Um, what's going on out there? Because you wrote a really good piece today. Well, thank you. Um, actually, it was based on a Wall Street Journal article, and I've written about commercial real estate a couple of times over the last year or so. And uh, it's, it's interesting, because I was talking to a, a reporter today, and um, essentially it's been one of those issues that remains on the back burner. Uh, as far as government intervention. I mean, they had to move very uh, fast after things started to collapse in the wake of the subprime mortgage situation. Um, but they keep talking about the potential disaster from um, mortgage-backed uh, commercial real estate and commercial mortgage-backed securities. But so far, uh, the disaster has not you know, presented itself really in, in people's faces. So it's just sort of looming out there. Uh, and to put it in perspective, there's $6.7 trillion worth of commercial real estate out there and $700 billion in commercial mortgage-backed securities, um, which, you know, to look at the um, real estate, the, uh, the re retail real estate is what I'm trying to say, uh, there's, there was something like $10 trillion worth of uh, retail um, mortgages on people's houses and something like uh, $6 trillion worth of mortgage-backed securities. Um, so this is actually smaller, I think, um, than the uh, residential real estate situation, but it's analogous. And the problem is that you have a couple of things going on here. First of all, you've got a big increase in the default rate uh, on commercial real estate loans, up sixfold to 3.14% uh, in August of 2009 over the previous year's August. And then you have another thing, which is $153 billion worth of those $700 billion in commercial mortgage-backed securities are coming due uh, by 2012. Those are loans that basically have to be refinanced. But unfortunately, two-thirds of those uh, will not be refinanced, even though the borrowers are paying the principal and interest on them. And the reason for that is that the value of the properties have dropped so much that they cannot, uh, they cannot justify uh, a mortgage of the size that they had uh, when, they were, when they were originally uh, booked on, on the bank's books. So there's going to be a, a lot of defaults. There's going to be a lot of uh, bankruptcy filings, and that's going to have a lot of implications all over the place. You know, and you can see that. I mean, South Florida is very, very uh, obvious as it relates to what you're saying. There is a lot of real estate available right now on the commercial side. Uh, there was a lot of building a number of years ago. It's sitting there right now. 
And you're very, very correct. I think when, when these defaults come through over the next, how many months do you think this is going to happen? Well, uh, by 2012, $153 billion worth. So over the, over the next uh, 24 months or so. So what's the fix for this, Peter? I mean, how come no one's talking about this to any great extent? And they really don't go into great detail on the shows. Well, uh, first of all, um, I think people have bailout fatigue. Um, you know, if you look at the, the numbers overall so far, the government is um, uh, putting up cash or guaranteeing $23.7 trillion worth of, uh, of loans um, on financial institutions' books. There was, you know, a $775 billion bailout plan, a $750 billion or $700 billion TARP. Um, you know, there's, there's just trillions and trillions of dollars worth of government financing out there. So I think politicians are really, really gun-shy about saying, oh, boy, we have to have another, you know, multi-trillion dollar rescue plan here for, for, the, for the financial industry. They're kind of hoping that um, we can just sort of stop doing this and not, um, you know, not have to go through the whole agonizing process of trying to convince the public to spend more taxpayer money on this stuff. It's extremely unpopular. Um, and the second reason, I think, is because uh, frankly, none of this stuff has caused immediate disasters right now. It's, it's sort of something that's sort of out there. There are defaults. They, they are increasing, but they haven't reached the scale yet where it's causing financial institutions to collapse, uh, in, you know, in real time um, like they were last September. And I think it's, you know, that that what you need in order to, to get the political will to, to pay more taxpayer money and to talk about this kind of stuff is to have something like, uh, you know, Lehman Brothers going bankrupt or Goldman Sachs at risk of going bankrupt. You know, that kind of order of, of catastrophe is the type of thing that re that's required in order to get this uh, situation to, uh, to get the politicians to actually start talking about it. So uh, I guess what happens, it doesn't come home yet. When it starts coming home and it affects the power of the politician, because it affects the pocket of the person who votes for them. That's when it becomes painful. But you know what? It's, it is a significant uh, wave, tsunami, that can hit us. Oh, uh, good question. I mean, one of the things that this reminds me of is back when I was in high school learning American history, it always struck me that, you know, America never solves problems proactively. They always wait until a, cr a crisis happens before they try to solve things. Um, and, you know, I think I finally figured out the reason why that is. It's because... Really, solving a problem involves changing things, and um, people just don't like to change. And so, in order to overcome that inertia, you really need a huge amount of pain, uh, either right on people's front yards, or you know, clearly about to break into their you know houses and, and take away their money. Um, if you don't have something like that, people are just going to say, "Well, it's not really a big problem, and I don't have to worry about it." We're on the phone with Peter Cohen of Peter Cohen and Associates. And by the way, Peter's book, You Can't Order Change, Lessons from J Jim McNerney's Turnaround at Boeing, is available in all major bookstores. We and should I tell people. I throw in there that it just was selected as one of the top 30 business books of 2009. Well, there you have it. You know, everyone, I'm going to segue for a second. Go ahead. Everyone has an interest right now in Boeing. I have never seen such a yin to the yang as it does with Boeing right now. What is going on? I think you have another book there, Jim. Uh, uh, Peter, forgive me. Well, no problem. Um, you know, I, I wrote a blog post uh, which came out uh, yesterday um, entitled, Will Boeing Move to Beijing? And this blog post has just uh, uncorked a firestorm uh, of interest. Uh, and I'm, I'm going on a TV network later on uh, this afternoon to talk about this. Um, Where, which one are you going to be on? They can Fox, go listen to you. Fox Business. All right, my favorite. Cody. Um, and um, basically, I mean, I've just gotten hundreds, about you know, almost 600 comments in just 
tons and tons of interest in this thing. It's just unbelievable uh, because um, what happened was that I, I talked to a guy who um, worked at Boeing for 20 years, and he told me, look, there was a meeting uh, of engineers um, with the CEO of Boeing, and the engineers were saying, look, we never want to do another uh, program like the 787 again in the future. We need to have much more control over the development of the aircraft. And uh, McNearney uh, listened to their presentation and you know, talked through their slides and made it feel like he really understood where they were coming from. And then, you know, a few months later, he, he basically said, look, I like the way we did the 787. You know, I may, might make a few tweaks, but, you know, that's about it. And what, what they also said was that what McNerney wants to do is to not compete with China, but cooperate with China and move more and more of the design and production of the of future aircraft to China. Um, and, you know, there's two things about this that really uh, get, get me annoyed. Uh, one of them is that it seems like he's just totally blind to all the problems that, with the 787. And, uh, you know, I guess, I guess the second one is, you know, the one that a lot of people are talking about, which is, you know, we have a, a problem in our country of uh, 6.7 million people looking for jobs, and here's this executive who wants to move more jobs out of the U.S. and, and, and move them to China, which is, you know, not exactly, uh, there's sort of a feeling of, this isn't really that patriotic. Yeah, it's not going to make him a very happy camper when people start attacking him, which, which they will, by the way. Well, if you look at the, po the, the blog, a post on this uh, blog, you know, there's a lot of people using the word traitor next to his name, um, which is not particularly nice, but, you know, that's what they're saying. That's the way they feel. Well, bottom line, yes or no, is the 787 going to fly in the next year? Uh, no, I, don't, I think it'll take uh, <laughs> uh, two years. And, um, it, it better. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to fly something by the end of the year, but it won't be the 787. It'll be something that doesn't have a lot of the real systems that are going to be in the 787 because they want to create the perception that they're moving forward. Right. But the people I've talked to inside the company are saying, you know, there's problems with the uh, environmental control system, which pressurizes so you can't go above 12,000 feet if that's not working. And then there's the electrical system where you can't even start the motor or put, use the brakes or anything without, without that, and that's not working either. So, you know, how can they even do a flight test by the end of the year? And they just replaced the guy who was in charge of the whole uh, commercial air, aircraft division, uh, the executive vice president who reported to uh, uh, you know, the CEO. So there's some really serious management problems going on here. And uh, you know, I, I'm nervous about that aircraft. Well, so am I. Uh, we're, well, we're going to get back to you on that. Peter, we're out of time. I've got to get going, but I want to thank you for being on the show. Well, thanks for uh, Peter Cohen and Associates, thanks an awful lot, Peter. Take care. You too. All right, bye. One of the things that it concerns me, with, we're talking about manufacturing, Alex, and, uh, and, I'm, and a stat came out today, which uh, just caught my eye, and that was the, the, the growth in, in auto sales at Ford Motor Company. Now, you know we've had a number of people, thanks to the PR folks at Ford Motor Company, Thank you very much. A little Ford Motor Company music. They might like that. I don't you know if that's like your that. official theme song or not. Exactly. But we, uh, we've we had a number of people, including uh, Nancy uh, Joy was on the show, and uh, Marak Bay was on the show from Ford. Uh, on the show today, uh, we have George Pippis, who's the Ford sales analyst of Ford Motor Company, of course, of course. George, welcome to the show. Hi. How do you do? I am doing great, and evidently, so is Ford. Well, we had another good month. Um and uh, it's, it's gratifying to see um, the business improving, um, largely due to the, the number of products we've introduced uh, that's, that, that consumers um, uh, seem willing to consider. And, and consideration is growing for our products. I think uh, it, you know, it starts with 
with quality and fuel efficiency, those are the two key customer wants in their vehicles. And um, we're, we're very pleased at this point, but we feel like uh, it's, it's a journey that doesn't have an end. Well, no. Let's go down to some of the stats so we can understand them. Uh, number one, how much is the seventeen percent correct? Is that what you did? You you increased seventeen. Yes, how yes, many sir. units does that represent? Uh, it's about one hundred and seventy-six thousand uh, cars and trucks were sold in the month of August. Oh, that's uh, terrific. At Ford and Lincoln Mercury dealers. And and what is this? The cash for clunkers deal? Is this why people came back in in such droves? Well, um, cash for clunkers uh, certainly was a big factor. Um, uh, uh, against Ford's 17% increase, uh, the industry improved uh, 1%. I mean, not as much, but still in all, it was the industry's first uh, uh, sales increase since October 2007, almost two years ago. And so um, it, uh, it did have a positive impact on the overall industry result. Um, um, and and I think that's encouraging. You know that perhaps uh, maybe there's some indication here in in the results that uh, the economic recovery is at least on the threshold, and that we we can um, you know the contraction that we've been going through for the last almost two years is nearing a, a completion. Well, you know, I want to go back to, we just talked to some of the other guys. Chrysler did not do as well. I mean, GM did dismally compared to you. I mean, they were, I thought they were down 20%, uh, what I read on the, on the Internet when I was looking at the stats. What, and this is sort of like a loaded question because I really, I know it. Uh, <laughs> Ford, you know, going, it's really funny. We are just talking to Peter about McNall, uh, uh, Boeing and McNerney, McNally, uh, the, McNally, the, uh, the uh, yes, CEO. Sir of your company is a Boeing graduate, so to speak. Yes, sir. Came in a number of years ago and, and seems to have done everything right. Well, uh, you know, um, uh, Mr. Malali... Uh, Malali, I'm so sorry. Ask, uh, that's all right. Uh, he asked some um, simple questions, um, uh, starting with um, how, uh, how come, um, you know, we, we uh, build so many trucks and sport utility vehicles and... And we sell a lot of small cars around the rest of the world, uh, in Asia and Europe, uh, particularly South America. Uh, why, why are we so um, uh, dependent on trucks and SUVs in the United States? Well, in the 90s, a lot of people were buying trucks and SUVs, uh, much less so this decade. But it was those kinds of questions that uh, uh, headed us towards rebalancing our product portfolio. And now I think this, this uh, program, uh, the Clunkers program, which really encouraged the turn-in of older, more, you know, less fuel-efficient vehicles and the acquisition of more fuel-efficient vehicles, uh, gave us kind of a midterm report card. And it wasn't too bad. Uh, the Focus, a small car, and the Escape small utility and the new Fusion midsize sedan and its hybrid version really did well in this program. So as an interim report card, and that's kind of the way we feel about it, is that uh, it's, it's, a, it's quite a bit of progress made over three years' time. Well, it, and that's really happy. I'm very happy to hear that because when we had Nancy Joy on the show, we were discussing the Ford Fusion and the Fusion hybrid, you know, new models that were coming out for 2010. 
And you've got some great engines, the Duratec 2.5-liter uh, four-cylinder and the enhanced 3.0-liter V6 and the 3.5-liter V6. All of these cars are getting great gas mileage, and they have enhanced power. That's the thing that I was intrigued because, you know, America likes power. You know, we, we were a throwback to the 50s and 60s of, uh, of powerful engines, but we don't want to spend all the money on the gasoline. It seems like Ford was able to package what America wants at the same time, give them what they need. Um, one of the things she may have mentioned uh, that is just coming to market this month in four of Ford's products is the EcoBoost technology. It's basically a dual turbocharging, a combustion engine. Uh, direct injection technology, things that have been tried before, uh, we explored that option as a as a less expensive alternative for consumers than hybrids and and batteries. Now we're exploring. In fact, we have on our drawing boards battery um, plug-ins and and certainly hybrids as well. Uh, we set another hybrid sales record this month. But uh, EcoBoost basically provides uh, the performance of a higher displacement engine with the fuel economy of a lower displacement engine. And so in our Ford uh, Taurus show, uh, which is back on the market after a hiatus, uh, and the Ford Flex and two Lincolns, the MKS and the new MKT. You know, the uh, MKS, crossover. George, the MKS is a sexy car. You know, really, the first time I saw the MKS, I was watching, don't hit me, I was watching the show Brotherhood on um, on Showtime, which is, a, you know, it's a series that comes on 10 o'clock, it's kind of adult, uh, it talks about politics in, in Rhode Island, but one of the guys drives, I was looking at this guy, I said, wow, what a sexy, it's a black car, I drive black car, very sexy car, and it's the MKS, very successful looking. Well, and and uh, we're we're pleased with the progress that Lincoln is making as well. And this EcoBoost engine technology could be, uh, you know, that that great um, that great uh, package that provides American consumers with the performance they want. Uh, and later in the year, uh, next year, we will have four-cylinder EcoBoost engines that provide four-cylinder fuel economy and six-cylinder performance in smaller uh, vehicles. So. We're gonna we're gonna spread this throughout the Ford lineup, but at the same time, uh, as Nancy said, we're very interested in the hybrid technologies, the plug-in technologies, and um, uh, you know going forward, you can't leave any stones unturned. No, you can't do that. And and for those of us who were listening a few months ago, Ford did uh, um, pen a deal with Magna uh, for an electrifying alliance, as I said to create these really great uh, BEVs. You know, uh, I think that's what Nancy was telling me they were called, BEVs, yeah. a pure BEV passenger car. But we're really glad to hear that, and, and um, I guess I can go to myford.com and check things out. Absolutely. Uh, great website. Uh, you know, when we put uh, the day after the clunkers legislation was signed, we uh, put up a, a website called Let Ford Recycle Your Ride, and in 30 days' time, we got 2.4 million hits on the Internet, um, many more hits, uh, unique visitors, than even the entire Clunkers program could accommodate. You know, there were only about 700,000 vouchers processed, and uh, uh, so there's a great interest in the Ford vehicles, and it's really encouraging, having been with Ford for so long, to see consideration for our vehicles increasing, because that's really what we need to do is 
we can't ask for more than people just to give us a look and put us on their list and and uh, spend their valuable time uh, if they if they can to check out the Ford or Lincoln Mercury showroom. Well, you know what? That's called free market economy. Let That's the American right. manufacturing sector and the free market do what it does best of anywhere in the world. We can solve our problems. George, I'm so glad you were on the show. I know we called you the last minute. We'll get you all back again. We support Ford. Great products. Get out there. Take a look at their new products. Congratulations on your 17%. Thank you very much. Take care, George. All right. We're on the Rich Rothman Show. We're going to come right back on 880 The Biz. Stay there. The Port of Miami contributes more than $17 billion annually to the South Florida economy and helps provide direct and indirect employment for approximately 180,000 jobs. Among its goals is to promote growth in Miami's cruise and cargo industries and to make sure that every port user can conduct business safely, effectively, and efficiently. A new terminal that is larger than some mid-sized U.S. airport. The new Miami International Airport. A new 350-space ground-level short-term parking lot. The new Miami International Airport. The only U.S. airport with sleep pods. The new Miami International Airport. The international gateway to the Americas with more Alex, flights to South America. Is anyone on the phone? All U.S. airports combined. Uh, Lasky should be calling back any minute because he called really early. I told him to call back around like 5:33 or 5:30. Let's do Harry airport, when we come back. Sure. Come experience the new Miami International Airport and watch us move towards the future. The new Miami International Airport. You know where I'm spending my next romantic evening out with my wife? At Biltmore Carl Gables Miami, a golf and spa resort. Maybe we'll start the evening with a five-star dinner at the newly opened Fontana Ristorante, enjoying their authentic Italian cuisine prepared by renowned chef Gaetano Accione. Or perhaps we'll dine at the acclaimed Palm d'Or restaurant. Zagat called Palm d'Or one of the best restaurants in the country. South Florida's best restaurants are at the Biltmore Carl Gables, Miami. On Thursday after dinner, we could really enjoy Biltmore Unplugged. Live jazz music poolside at the Cascade Bar and Grill. <clears throat> Fine food and live jazz is awaiting your next romantic evening at Biltmore Carl Gables, Miami, a golf and spa resort. Visit www.biltmorehotel.com for more information or call them at 1-800-747-1926 for reservations. The perfect night out is at Biltmore Carl Gables, Miami, a golf and spa resort. Do you own a business outsourcing your accounting? Then call the accounting and tax experts at TNJ Tax Service. For over 30 years, TNJ Tax Service has been preparing taxes for South Florida companies and individuals. As enrolled agents with the Internal Revenue Service, the pros at TNJ Tax Service can represent you or your company professionally to the IRS. Have challenges with your company's bookkeeping? Then call TNJ Tax Services. QuickBooks certified. TNJ Tax Services can provide training on QuickBooks for any small business. If you need monthly or quarterly bookkeeping services to handle all of your payroll and business needs, then you need to call. TNJ Tax Service, located at Taft and Flamingo in the Pillbox Plaza. Call 954-432-1700. 954-432-1700. TNJ Tax Services. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Rothman. And no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL. Customer service is back in shipping. From Atlantic Radio Network. This is The Rich Rothman Show. The Rich Rothman Show. Oh, 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 oh,
Okay, welcome, 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 welcome back to uh, 880 The Biz. This is Rich Rothman along with Alex. It's 36 minutes after the hour. And if you're uh, traveling home, take it easy, be safe. We've had a very interesting, um, I, I think we've had two great people on the show today. Uh, Peter so far, Cohen. so good. Yeah, I've really enjoyed Peter's comments. I think he's just right on target. And I, I am really intrigued. You know, I never really got excited about Ford products until this last year when this, uh, the downturn occurred in the, uh, in the auto industry to the effect that, you know, these guys, you know, GM went bankrupt. And, uh, and then we had to bail them out, which I'm not so sure I was in, totally in favor of that because I really believe that the market can handle what needs to be handled. Um, but Ford is, I mean, i got to tell you, they have really done some unusual things, and their products are obviously well accepted by America. Up 17% when the competition's down 20%. I mean, that's just amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, we have uh, Jimmy on the phone right now? Uh, yes, we do. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, what's going on? We have Jim Lasky on the phone. He called in today. Really good to have you here. Jim Lasky's here from Chicago. Uh, Jim, how you doing? Good, good. I'm just looking at a copy of today's Chicago Sun-Times, and there's a nice big colored picture of our former governor, Rod Blago Blagojevich. What a guy. What a, what a guy, guy he is. Wow, he loved that hair. Let me, let me tell you the headline. Joe it's a Palooka. It's a, a colored picture of him with the black background. Little hey, shadow. when you say a colored picture, can, can, you know, what do you mean? Like, it's, it's color. It's for color. Yeah. Okay, red, all right. Red, all right. green, white, blue. Because right. I don't want us to be called racist. It's not right. Oh, okay. All right. In, in, instead of black and white, it's a colored picture. There you go. It's a color picture. Go ahead. Okay, and it says, Blago's new book reveals how he did business. Quote, keep your enemies closer. It sounds something like right out of The Godfather, and he kind of looks like Michael Corleone, or Corleone, when you look at the picture, too. So, well, you know, don't you think he, uh, he operated in a Corleone way? You know what, this guy, I mean, I was just looking up, because it really bothered me how this guy just believes he did, did nothing wrong. And I kind of looked up, I looked up the word narcissistic, and, and, and some of the words that the definition of narcissistic is egotistical, egocentric, and self-centered. And then I understand how Rod Lagojevich got where he got because of, of, of those traits. I mean, he's a very, very egotistical, self-centered person who now blames the people who put him where he was at as governor, and now he blames them for his downfall. So, but that's that's... That's our that's our former governor, and he and he makes uh, he makes life interesting in Chicago and across this country. He's going to be on the View, I think, next week with all those uh, young ladies who will will give him his uh, props, uh, you know, next week. So, but he's going to be doing the circuit around Chicago and around the country, uh, probably trying not to sell, so well, probably to sell his book, but more so to attain a, a future jury. So, I mean, I think this guy's is like coy as a fox. That's the latest on Rod Blagojevich. Well, what else? You know what? It's amazing when you talk about strong arm politics. Now, I want you to stay with us for a while because we're going to talk a little bit about Harry Reid. Alex, we're going to talk Harry Reid. And I want Jimmy to be part of this. You know, Jim, of course, is you can hear Jim on WGN uh, up in Chicago, uh, third largest radio station, I believe, in the United States. And we're happy to, uh, to be able to listen to Jim. And they can probably listen to you on, on the Internet because I do when you're on. Jim's on usually what, on the weekends? Yeah, this Saturday I'll be on from uh, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. So, 
add another hour to that out by you. So we're looking at what nine to eleven. Yeah, and that's like, and you can still call in on the eight hundred number because I do that and I ask you questions just because I can do it. So listen to this: Harry Reid, another Obama guy. Harry Reid, he's in the pocket of Obama. Harry Reid, he goes back to Nevada, and he's at an event, and uh, someone from one of the oldest newspapers uh, in Nevada, which is uh, you know the Review Journal, uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal is the oldest paper. They were around before, you know, the Hoover Dam. They were around with, you know, railroads and cattle ranches, you know, way before Las Vegas was this huge place. They, w- they witnessed and wrote about the mob and Howard Hughes and the Great Depression. And they went through recessions and two world wars. And anyway, so Harry Reid, who, by the way, has an approval rating that's probably as bad as Pelosi. And Pelosi's right now is 64 percent are against Pelosi right now. Thinks she's doing a horrible job. That's according to Scott Rasmussen, not Rich Rothman. And I just want you to be clear on that. Okay. And so he's giving a speech at the Las Vegas Chamber of Commerce luncheon. And, you know, Reed's standing there welcoming people. And, you know, uh, and the, the gentleman who's actually the director of advertising, a guy by the name of Bob Brown from the Review Journal. And now advertising, advertising has nothing to do with editorial. In real real newspapers, it's separation of church and state, and you, you don't let them mix. You just just because you bought a lot of ads doesn't mean you're going to get a great show. And uh, in this case, I guess the Review Journal had written articles that were not pro, you know, read because you know what 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 Scott Rasmussen is saying right now is that if there were an, was an election now in in Nevada, the GOP contender, you know, challenger going up against him uh, would probably win. Because Reed is not doing well. So you know what Reed said to this guy on the, on the greeting line? The, the, everyone's lined up there shaking hands with Harry Reed. Bob Brown gets up there. He's the director of ads for the Review Journal. Harry Reed looks at him and says, I hope you go out of business. This is, this is the guy in the Senate. I hope you go out of business. Well, that's like saying I'm mad. I'm going to take my bat and ball and go home. Well, I mean, what is, you know, so, so I want you to hear this because I think you're going to appreciate it. Alex put this little piece together. This is so we can, we want Sherman Frederick, you know, publisher of, of, the, uh, of the Las Vegas uh, Review Journal, and we want Bob Brown to be hearing this. But we put this together, Alex put this together, just for those folks to show, you know what, we don't like you getting bullied either by a big bully. And this is our, this is our um, uh, kiss to Harry Reid. This war is lost, and that the surge is not accomplishing anything as indicated by the extreme violence in Iraq yesterday. This war is lost. And he's just wild about me. This war is lost. The heavenly blisses of his kids. Extreme violence. This war is lost. He's sweet just like chocolate candy. The surge is not. And like the honey from the bee. Accomplishing anything. Oh, I'm just wild about him. This war is lost. And he's just wild about This war is lost. He's just wild about me. Cole makes us sick. This war is lost. Extreme violence. This war is lost. This war is lost. Lost. Cole makes us sick. Well, we just wanted to play that 
for our good friends out in Las Vegas. I just let my class and pulled out my tap shoes. I just... Isn't that fun? <laughs> Yay for <laughs> Alex. Who's giving applause to Alex for uh, for doing that? That's, that's just what, a... what movie is that from? I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know what movie that is. Neither from. do I. You're, Rich is actually the one who turned me on to that. I don't know I'll, where I'll it's find from. out, and I'll let you it's all know. It's a classic. I think it's a classic movie. But uh, if you want, we can, we can MP3 that eventually and send that to you. Okay. So you can, you can play that on your show. But, but the point is, uh, all this strong-arm bullying tactics, and this goes back to Chicago tactics, and that's what's being said every day, Jim, of the week. Yeah. There isn't a day that doesn't go by that someone says, this Chicago, this Illinois politic is not going to work. They keep talking about the Chicago way, and congressmen are telling Rahm Emanuel and David Axelrod or Axelrod, whatever. Axelrod you know. is what you tell me to call him. Right. Are telling people this is this is Washington, this is not Chicago, and it's not about you know telling people how to vote. I mean, you're 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 trying to get someone's opinion and try to lobby them, but you're not going to use the Chicago strong arm tactics out here. And that's what congressmen are saying left and right. And I agree with you. I mean, people, I, we talked about this months ago, where we said that the Chicago brand of politics will eventually filter its way into into the capital. And it didn't take long for it to filter in there. And now these guys, the Emanuels and the Axel Roos, are walking around saying, Obama's the president, he's the boss, it's my, his way or the highway, so get in line and support your president. And you know what? Congressmen, and good for them, are saying, you know what? Kiss off. You know, we got elected by our you know, people in our district, and we're going to do what's best for our constituents, if they have any testicular fortitude. Well, and we know that Chicago politicians have a lot of testicular fortitude, don't they? You know, <laughs> no. what can I tell you? Mayor Daley hasn't seen an independent thinking city council in twenty some years. I mean, unfortunately, we're not we're not the ones that are the models for standing up. There's a few of us who who did that, but you know, not too many in, in the Chicago city council who said, you know what. We're going to stand up and represent our constituents. We're on the phone with, uh, I want everyone to know who you are. We're on the phone with Jim Lasky. And uh, Jim, of course, is uh, the ex-city uh, clerk, the second most powerful uh, person, by the way, in Chicago politics, in Chicago. Uh, and last time he ran, he garnered over half a million votes in one day. Actually, more votes were pledged for Jim Lasky than they were for Mayor Richard Daley, which is an amazing feat and at the same time a scary feat, wouldn't you say? And, and you said it was very nice. How'd you say that? I, I garnered the thing? No. I, yeah. You garnered, yeah. You garnered all yeah. those votes. So I didn't twist in the arms of people just came out and voted for me. No, and but... Then I, and then, I, then I was led astray. You got to let our, 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 our listening audience know that I, was, I, I, I made some mistakes, and I ended up going to a federal prison in, in the mountains of West Virginia. And, uh, it's the Chicago way. The Chicago way, hey. and uh, and uh, you know there's uh, there's a bus there's always a bus leaving Chicago to go out to a federal prison somewhere. So, um, matter of fact, just if people don't realize this, and I don't know if people have recognized the name of Betty Lauren Maltese, she used to be the big uh, boss of Cicero, Illinois. That's kind of where that was where Al Capone was at one time, and she became the mayor and the ward boss and and town boss and everything else. And her husband was a reputed mob figure. And well, anyway, she ended up uh, doing some things, uh, uh, racketeering. She, I think, she was convicted of, and a few other things. She, I think, she got a ten-year sentence, and she was sent to a federal prison in California. She just got released. She's at a halfway house in Las Vegas, and she's probably going to write a book. So 
So, you know, if, if you're a, a convicted politician and, and uh, you want to tell your story, I guess, you know, most of us have written a book. And, uh, well, you know what, you know, Jimmy, I got to tell you something. What I find interesting is that the presidential approval index, as put out by Scott Rasmussen, uh, mm-hmm. just about on a daily basis, uh, right now, it's it's the lowest. It's it's first of all the presidential approval index, which is the difference between those who strongly disapprove and those who strongly approve. Right, uh, right now, it's a negative eleven, and uh, that means forty in, in total, forty five percent of the country approve, while fifty three percent disapprove. And, uh, that's, and that's not going to get any better for a while. Well, I don't know. You know, it, it, I got to tell you, when you look back to what it was. When people were into this change and hope and hope and change and hope and change and change and hope, he was at a positive 30 back on January 22nd. Yeah, uh, well, then, then people started realizing who this guy was. He, a big, a big dump occurred in March, between March 6th and 7th. It went from a positive 15 to a, a positive 8, and it's been going down ever since. It, it jumped back up uh, uh, to a positive 11 around the 31st of March going into April, and then it's been abysmal. And, and the point is that, you know, there are a lot of th- people out there, for example, 49 percent, according to Rasmussen, oppose the Justice Department probe of uh, the Bush era CIA. Most people believe that it's really not going to help us. It's going to hurt us and it's going to make us less safe. Well, let's 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 just talk about a couple quick comments. that he made. Sure. Go ahead. I thought he was one time he was bowling in the White House and he said he bowls so bad he should join the Special Olympics. Yeah, that now, was that's on. Our, that's, our, that's our president who made fun about the specially handicapped, the mentally challenged people. That was on Jay Leno. He said that on right. Jay Leno, and he, right. okay. he didn't quite understand then what our, he was then saying. The president goes further one time, and he doesn't have all the facts uh, on that. Uh, on the professor, uh, the African-American professor from Harvard in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and says, I don't know all the facts. I don't know all the facts, but he's a, he's a friend of mine, and I know the police acted stupidly. Okay, that again is our president who doesn't know. He admits, readily admits, he doesn't know the facts, but can say that the Cambridge police acted stupidly. Well, you know, it. It. it the point is, when you add up all the things that are scaring Americans, this is why his approval rating. You're right. When he made the comment about the policeman in um, in Boston, you know. Uh, he should have stayed out of that because he forgot he's right. a president. A president does not get in lo- involved in local stuff like that. That's why you have local law enforcement. Well, he played the race card. I'm sorry, right. but he played the race card. The other guys, did, he played the race card because it was convenient to do that. But what, what's intriguing is that it's not re- resonating with most Americans right now. Because, listen, 50% of Americans, according to Rasmussen today, feel throw the whole lot of them out that they can't stand them. 64% can't stand Nancy Pelosi. Only 25% of the United States agree with the House Speaker Pelosi that health insurance companies are the villains. People aren't really buying into the fact that the insurance company are the villains because 85% of Americans who have health insurance are okay with their insurance. There are some who say it could be better. There are some who say, you know, it, it's, it's worse. But the point is 85% actually say that they like their insurance. So... For, for someone to come in and say, well, we're going we're gonna, to you know, turn the whole thing upside down, it's scaring people. When, when the federal government indemnify, in, in, in debt, gives debt to the United States to the tune of $9 trillion over the next 10 years, $9 trillion, that means we've, we've hocked our children and their success, we've hocked our grandchildren and their success, and maybe our great-grandchildren and their success. Let me, let me just say 
this also. That when the government gets its hands on something, I mean, you're talking about bureaucracy, the red tape, the incompetency, the waste, the the just on and on. The, the problems with the government running anything, okay? And then now you're going to have them run this health insurance. Have a, have a have them in charge or something like that? I, I, I you got to be out of your mind to say. They'll do a good job. I mean, well, listen. I, I'm scared to death. Jimmy, 32%, according to Rasmussen's poll today, only 32% favor a single-payer health care system where the Fed government provides coverage for everyone. But 57%, 57% are opposed to a single-payer. And you know what? That's not changing over the last few weeks. It doesn't matter that the, uh, the Democrats in these town hall meetings, uh, such as Pelosi, who called them Nazis, these are swastika-bearing Nazis getting out there. And Barney Frank you know, said, I don't know what planet you come from, but I'm not going to debate with you. It doesn't, it doesn't resonate well. Let me, let, me, let me just tell you a real quick story, because I know you've got to go. I mean, I'm in an emergency room at a, at a suburban hospital outside of Chicago. There's a, an elderly woman who is in the emergency room wait, waiting for treatment. She's got a blanket on. Her, her son and her daughter-in-law are with her. And she's cold. And she says, you know, can I get another blanket? And the son turns to the woman and the mom, he says, Mom, under this Obama health care, you only get one blanket. And the wife turns to the husband and says, under the Obama health care, you'll get no blankets. Well, you know, it's, it's because it's all these but ideas. Reason, my point is, is that that's, that's just a, uh, somebody in a suburban hospital outside, and they're with their mother, and, and this issue comes up, and they immediately attack Obama and his and his health care plan, and that's someone they're, they're with their mother in a hospital, and they're talking about Obama's health care. It resonates everywhere. It, you know, in the suburbs of Chicago, in Chicago, wherever across the country, it's an issue that you know, Obama's trying to shove down people's throats, and it's not going to fly. It's and that's going to be his downfall this year because he's committed. I mean, he's he's mortgaged the house and everything else on this issue that he's going to get this thing passed this year, and I don't think he will. No, no, I, it, it, it's going to have a revolution on his hands if we do that. Listen, the thing that intrigues me with all these guys is how they play with words. For example, cap and trade, which is the idea of you know capping carbon emissions for global warming, which, by the way, is still not proven that it's man-made global warming with CO2, since 96% of the CO2 released in the world is actually natural, and the rest is, you know, some coming from man. But, uh, and, and there's still no tie to that and the fact that the Earth is getting warmer. Of course, President-elect uh, or uh, Vice President uh, Al Gore, rather, uh, did say that the Earth has a fever, and that resonated well in Congress because the morons in Congress actually wrote that down as a note that they should take home to their constituents to say that the Earth has a fever. But, uh, but so they changed the name of the bill. It's not cap and trade anymore. Now it is entitled the climate change bill. And they actually debate how many degrees we're going to work on to protect, you know, the world from getting too hot. I mean, I just I'm stunned by the, the ridiculousness of this whole thing. Well, Jimmy, so you're on. We're going to we only got about two minutes left, a minute and a half. Uh, you're on this weekend on WGN. You're going to be on what night? Eight, um, uh, Saturday night, which is September 5th. And I'm on from 8 to 10 p.m. Central Time. And we're going to talk about uh, politics, Chicago style. I'm going to talk about that scum, scumbag in uh, California. And we're going to talk about how I can save the taxpayers in Chicago. I'm going to flash some of that budget for Daily and help them out. Too. Oh, I like that. In about seven minutes, you save a couple million dollars. Right. 
right. And, we're, and we went from, we started with his office and just got rid of nine positions, and I saved the taxpayers a million, one, 1.1 million, and I helped daily out. So this week, I'm going to go to another office, and then we're going we're gonna to save, a, you know, some more money. So I think when I'm, by, when I'm all of a sudden done, I'm done with this whole thing, I could probably save daily in the city $30, $40 million. Well, maybe we'll get you down here because uh, Mayor Alvarez, or the county mayor, uh, even though we have to slash four hundred, almost $400 million from our budget, uh, did give very sizable raises to his inner circle, to about 12 people or so that work for him down well, here in Miami-Dade County. Don't do as I do, do as I say. You Don't betcha. Say. That's politics at its best. We got to go. We're out of time. Jim, thanks for being there. Thanks for having me. Appreciate All right. It. Listen, we're really happy you folks uh, spent some time with us today. I do appreciate it. And we, uh, we're going to be right back next week with uh, another full complement of some serious stuff with a little bit of sense of a humor. Today was fun, though. It it's was not a, as hot outside. It's nice. It's going to be fall one of these yes, days. Yes, someday. I know that. What, sometime in October, maybe? If we're lucky. Well, we got uh, September's a pretty rough month, but starting in October, everything seems to shift a little bit. Get a few cool days, and it gets hot again. You get depressed. But by November 1st, it's the best in the United States, South Florida. Okay, kids, see you next week. Thanks for being there. This is Rich Rothman. Stay well. We'll be back tomorrow for more of the good. Then I would have done it all. The bad. Film, television, and theater. The only thing left would be radio. The business. That's just for ugly people. This is the Rich Rothman Show. Ah, who am I kidding? I belong in radio. (laughs) 